Andrew Ladd, his contract is is really buyout proof. The savings on him, again, relative peanuts. My man, Johnny Pajamas. Please edit that out. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 59. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. Please find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday and uh, find everything I write about the Islanders on the Newsday website uh, at newsday.com backslash sports. And welcome. Uh, Welcome back. I hope everybody is uh, staying safe and staying healthy and staying sane as we uh, try and navigate our way through this uh, very contentious election season. So uh, all the best to everyone. Thank you so much for uh, clicking and and, uh, tuning in uh, to this episode. As I said, episode 59. It's going to be the Ryan Pulak uh with a with a good taste of Matthew Barzell episode uh we're going to go over Ryan Pulak's new deal the uh, restricted free agent uh avoiding arbitration and coming to a two-year deal with the Islanders we're going to delve into that the implications and uh, some of the implications as it concerns to Matthew Barzell who is now the Islanders lone remaining RFA and like I said, uh, welcome back. Uh, it's been a little bit. Um, I, I, it's certainly amazing, and 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 I'm very happy to be in front of this microphone and talking some hockey again. Uh, I had some uh, time off as we got through October, but I'll I'll be honest, most of my time was occupied uh, with with my folks, both mom and dad. Uh, they're 84. Uh, all my love to them, but. Uh, both have been through some health crises in the past three weeks. So I spent much of my time going back and forth between two hospitals and a nursing home and a lot of time on the phone making arrangements and just, you know, sitting with them and making sure mom and dad are okay. So my mind was not so much on uh hockey the last two, three weeks. But uh, like I said, you know, uh, all's good right now. Uh, Both are in good spots and, uh, you know, mom is recovering and dad is doing as well as possible. Um, So uh, it's good. It's good to talk some hockey and it's good to uh, be working again. Uh, Certainly uh, enjoying it. Uh, But I found it very fitting for all the time I've spent in hospital rooms the last three weeks and all the time I've spent over the last three weeks talking to doctors and nurses and social workers and, uh, you know, just healthcare workers. And, and, and I, I must say, um, you know, I know everyone has put up the signs and everyone's given their gratitude to the healthcare workers uh, uh, throughout the course of the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, seeing it from the inside and seeing just the amazing work 
that the healthcare workers do uh, really brought it home for me. Uh, I can't say enough about what you know what they do on a day in and day ba- uh, day in day out basis, and, and and I'm not even you know I wasn't in a COVID ward, you know, uh, safe and secure, you know, either ERs or hospital rooms, but but still seeing everything, all the protections and all the precautions that uh, have to be taken care of, you know, uh, complete stick taps to the healthcare workers, just amazing people. But uh, uh, like I said, I, I, after three weeks of this, I, I found it really fitting um, that I found out about the Ryan Pulak uh, deal while I was sitting in, a, in, in my own doctor's office, uh, undergoing my annual physical. <laughs> and like I said, when I put up the uh, tweet about, uh, you know, taking uh, questions for Andrew's answers, I will talk about anything except my weight. Um, because I had a long chat with my doctor about it and it's, uh, uh, I don't want to go there anymore, but, uh, so anyway, so we're, we're going to talk a lot about Ryan Pulak's new deal. We're going to talk about Matthew Barzell. We're going to hear from some sound from Ryan Pulak's, uh, zoom teleconference with the media, um, after he signed his deal. And then we're going to answer some, uh, some questions via Twitter as we end the show with Andrew's answers. So the Ryan Pulak deal, it's a it's a two year deal for the twenty six year old defenseman uh who uh who like I said had an arbitration hearing scheduled for November sixth. Um the Islanders and, and Ryan avoid arbitration and uh Ryan as you'll hear in the uh in the audio clips said, you know, he, he he had never been through this process before, but no one really wants to go to arbitration. Two years, $10 million, uh, so it's a $5 million cap hit per season. And again, you'll hear Ryan talk about how he felt uh, the flat salary cap because of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, affected his negotiations. Uh, you know, it's certainly impacting uh, much of the NHL offseason here. My, my thoughts on the deal are, you know, and again, you'll, you'll hear Ryan say this, but he was looking for a deal that, that helped him and helped the team. Uh, you know, that it was something that would work for, for both sides in these very tough times. And, and I really think um, Ryan's agent and uh, his side and Lou Lamarillo and the Islanders really came to a pretty good compromise here. You know, Ryan Pulak is a top pair defenseman. Um, even though he was an RFA, he is staring, you know, at an arbitration hearing. And, you know, if there wasn't this pandemic here, and you've, you've heard me say that, I, I thought... You know, Ryan Pulak in, in normal times, you know, probably minimum $5.5 million and quite possibly looking at a, a $6 million uh, per season cap hit. But the Islanders bring him in at, at $5 million per, and, and that does help, uh, even though they're still very salary cap crunch. They have uh, approximately $3.9 million right now under the salary cap. 
to get Matthew Barzell signed. And uh, as we've said over and over again, um, you know, if you if you go back to the pods from earlier in the season, I was saying that I thought Matthew Barzell would wind up with a, a, a two or three year bridge deal at at seven million per season. So uh, you know, you're looking at two fourteen or three twenty one. But as of right now, the Islanders do not have that seven million under the salary cap. But still, I I think it's it's a team friendly deal in that they get. Ryan Pulak, as I said, a top pair defenseman in under a very, very manageable number at $5 million. Um, meanwhile, what Ryan Pulak gets out of this is it's only a two-year deal. He's going to go into unrestricted free agency at age 28, basically in the prime of his career. Uh, as a top pair defenseman. So, you know, provided that in two years the, the, there's an uptick in the flat salary cap, meaning it moves off the $81.5 million. And, and there's no guarantee that in two seasons that, that cap is going to go up. But let's just say it does. Um, Ryan Pulak will be in, in line for a much greater payday as a unrestricted free agent, you know. Uh, obviously, I'm sure he will say, and he has said that he would like that to be here with the Islanders. Um, but you know, they got two years to 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 get through that bridge and to come to a new deal if they can. For now, two years, ten million for Ryan Pulak, um, which which does help the Islanders out uh, as they try and get Matthew Barzell signed as an RFA without arbitration rights. And, you know, obviously no offer sheets forthcoming uh, now. And I I don't think any will. Um, But the Islanders also have the other business of trying to get some uh, unrestricted free agents signed. And uh, it seems like they're just waiting on this other business to announce the deals with Matty Martin and uh, Andy Green and former Devils goalie Corey Schneider. Uh, so there needs to be some money for those three as well, um, which means Lou Lamarillo still has a bit of work to do this off season. Now, the Islanders can go over the cap, not just the Islanders, any NHL team can go over the, uh, the salary cap ceiling by 10% in the off season, as long as they're underneath uh, by the time play starts. Um, and, and also... The Islanders do have a second buyout window coming now, uh, having gotten Pulak signed. Uh, The caveat there is that they can only buy out a player who is making $4 million or more. And I'll talk about that in in just one second. But I want to get back to what else Ryan Pulak gets out of this. And I think it's a very smart deal on his end, uh, confirmed this through an NHL source uh, today. But you know, it, it's it's two years, ten million. So the the cap hit averages it out at five million per season. But in terms of real money, uh, Ryan Pulak uh, signing bonuses, base salary, will be earning three point three four million in the twenty 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 one season. Now, why is this important for Ryan to have backloaded this deal, meaning he's getting a total of $6.66 million uh, in 21-22? Well, it's important 
because of what the pandemic has done to the NHL finances. Players did receive uh, their their first payment. They got 8.1% of their total uh, pay uh, on Halloween, on October 31st. So 8.1% has been paid out, but... The, the, the players won't see any more money until play starts. And even though the NHLPA and the NHL uh, put out that statement, uh, I believe, just about a month ago on October 6th, I think it was, um, that they were targeting on or around January 1st to start the next NHL season. There's still been no clarity on when play is actually going to resume. And, and again, you'll hear Ryan Pulak talk about what the off-season training has been like. So um, this season, uh, you know, and this has been negotiated between the NHLPA and the NHL when it came to uh, resuming play for the postseason in August, players are going to defer 10% of their 2021 salary. Um, to get the machinations of the uh, of the CBA in line, so the players off the top defer ten percent of their twenty twenty one salary. On top of that, the players are going to put twenty percent of that remaining ninety percent of their salary in escrow. So you're you're looking at a huge chunk of of twenty twenty one salary that the players know they're not going to see, uh, or at least not immediately. And, you know, they'll probably lose a lot of that escrow, uh, certainly if fans are not allowed into the buildings uh, as hockey-related revenue dips. So it, it, w- it was a smart deal for Ryan Pulak's side to, to backload this contract. So he's, he's really only getting chunks taken out of $3.34 million. While the following season, uh, 21-22, which the NHL and the NHLPA is certainly hoping is going to be a full 82-game season with full capacity in the arenas. Uh, you know, everyone is believing uh, at this point that, you know, by October, November of, uh, you know, this time next year, that hopefully we have... We have gotten through the worst of the pandemic and, you know, and I'm making air quotes here, sort of gotten back to normal and hockey-related revenue is going to start, you know, rising again because they're going to be paying customers in all the buildings. But that's a, a long way off. This season, Ryan Pulak, at, again, at $3.34 million of the total of $10 million. Um, we'll we'll have less money taken away from what he's earning. He's he's earning the bulk of his deal in the second season, which which was a very smart play, and, and a lot of contracts obviously being uh, structured like this with the financial uncertainty of this season. Um, so where does that leave Matthew Barzell? As we said, we're looking probably you know at a two year deal. Uh, worth fourteen million, or a three-year deal worth twenty-one million, or somewhere uh, thereabouts. When when Barzell finally does come to a deal, uh, with only three point nine million available under the cap, uh, Lou is going to have to get creative again. And again, he uh, you know, he had to trade away, forced to trade away defenseman Devontae's 
uh, to the Colorado Avalanche, where he was signed to a four-year, $16.4 million deal. And that's what Lou just couldn't afford. He knew that, you know, Devon had elected for arbitration. And uh, Lou just, and Lou and the Islanders just could not gamble on, on, on that kind of salary and, and trying to fit that in. So he ships Devontae's away for two second-round picks. Um, but still, the Islanders, under a severe cap crunch, as I mentioned uh, over and over, with only $3.9 million of uh, wiggle room right now, uh, you know, you figure, you know, and again, me doing math on the fly is one of the worst things anyone can sit through, but 3.9, you know, 7, so is that another 3.1? Uh, you need just for Barzell, and then you know Corey Schneider. We hear is in at seven hundred thousand. Uh, Andy Green and Matt Martin. You figure what one, two, three. You know, so figure you need roundabouts of three million or more. Um, probably more three million more uh, above the three point one. So uh, yeah, you, you're looking at anywhere from I, I would say six point one. 6.5, maybe even 7 million uh, of additional cap space to get all your off-season work. And that's not even, you know, really adding anything. That's just uh, getting done what you got to get done and, and you're losing Devontae. So how is, you know, Lou going to free up that extra money? Well, like I said, uh, Pulak signing does trigger a, uh, a buyout period, but the chances of doing that are... are it doesn't look good for the Islanders. There are some buyout-proof contracts. Like I said, players with uh, earning $4 million or more. So if you want to go through uh, uh, the list of who that is, certainly Brock Nelson, you got Jordan Everly, uh, you got Anders Lee, you got Johnny Boychuk, you got Andrew Ladd, um, you got Semyon Varlamov in on that, and... Uh, Let's see. Uh, let me see if I'm missing anyone here. Yeah, Anders Lee with cap hit of seven million. Brock Nelson cap hit of six million. Jordan Everly cap hit of five point five million. Andrew Ladd's got the five point five million dollar cap hit. Josh Bailey at five million. Jean Gabriel Pajot at five million. Amongst the defensemen, uh, you got Johnny Boychuk at six million. Nick Letty at five point five. Uh, obviously, Ryan Pulak now at the five million, and, and Semyon Varlamov at the five million. Um, just to take some examples, and this is uh, using the invaluable CapFriendly.com buyout calculator. Andrew Ladd, his contract is is really buyout proof. Um, the the only way they're going to save money on Andrew Ladd uh, effectively is if he's on LTIR. Uh, long-term injured reserve, or if they they get him through to the AHL, and and again, uh, he's not gonna, you know, lose the entire cap hit going to the AHL, but it, it's a better uh, scenario than buying him out. So, if the Islanders do buy him out using Cap Friendly's buyout calculator this coming season, they get a, a savings of under seven hundred thousand uh, dollars. That that's peanuts for what the Islanders need to do. Uh, Andrew Ladd still has a, a cap hit of 4.8 million uh, through 23. 
Um, and then, because you have to extend them, so you double the length, uh, Andrew Ladd has, has three seasons remaining on his contract going into this next season. Uh, he would still carry a, a cap hit, albeit a small one, for the final three years um, through 26. So it, it's really a buyout-proof contract. And then, you know, another player, again, uh, just using cap friendly here as an example, Johnny Boychuk. Um, if, if you're thinking, you know, if you can't trade Johnny Boychuk, maybe you buy him out. Well, the savings on him, again, r- relative peanuts for what the Islanders want to do. He, he, has, he has the two years remaining on his deal, and you're only saving uh, about $800,000 uh, for the next two seasons. And then you would have to carry a cap hit for an additional two seasons. It's under a half million, but still, that, that, that's money, and you, don't, you can't guarantee that the salary cap is going up at, at any time soon. So, you know, Johnny, buying out Johnny Boychuk is not really cost-effective either. And then, you know, maybe the, the guys that, you know, you thought would have been uh, buyout candidates, a guy like a Thomas Hickey or a Leo Komarov, well, under the second buyout window, they do not qualify because Leo's got a cap hit of $3 million for the next two seasons, and uh, Thomas Hickey's got a cap hit of $2.5 million for the next uh, two seasons. So it, it's really probably Lou is going to probably have to swing another trade um, here to free up the money that he needs. And, and as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, you're, you're talking about, you know, trades where you're not getting much back. Obviously, a lot of teams in the NHL are cap crunched here. Uh, not many teams are, are willing to take on large kind of albatross-like contracts at this point it, it, to, to get a team that does have that cap room to, to take on like an Andrew Ladd contract you're going to have to include not only prospects, but draft picks, um, you know, to entice someone. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what Lou can do. He's going to have to do something. Um, he does have time to play with. Like I said, he, uh, the Islanders can be 10% over the cap uh, through the, the off season, And then maybe, you know, it, it's a thing where they, they can get some wiggle room LTIRing uh, someone, but you know, I know Andrew Ladd wants to play, um, and his knees have recovered to to the point where he could play uh, in the postseason, and he did get a game in. Um, so it's not an automatic the, that the Islanders can just LTIR him. Uh, so I, I do think Lou is going to have to swing a, a, another a Devontae's-like trade where, you know, it, it, it will be a little bit painful, uh, most likely, uh, to get something like that done. Um, and again, we don't know when the next season is going to start. We're hoping, uh, you know, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, but certainly there's going to be negotiations. Again, uh, the NHLPA uh, with a return-to-play committee 
some owners are going to have to be convinced here. We, we talked about Vegas's owner, uh, Bill Foley, talking about how some NHL owners would not want to open at all without, you know, fans in the stand. And we're not talking about, you know, 10 or 20 percent. Bill Foley was saying it really would have to be 40 or 50 percent to make it worthwhile. Um, I, I don't know how soon that can happen. I, I do think it's encouraging that it looks like the NBA is going to get going uh, on or around December 22nd. I know they want to start playing um, right around Christmas time. Uh, so that, you know, the NBA and the NHL usually are, you know, in terms of business models, you know, they they sort of work in tandem. I mean, I, I'm not saying that uh, Adam Silver and, and Gary Bettman are, you know, plotting a course together, but what I'm saying is, what what usually happens with one is is how the other league is going to go. So, you know, maybe that's a good sign for the NHL that the NBA looks like it's uh, on target to start f- before Christmas time. So maybe the NHL can get going uh, on or around that target date of January 1st. But now, uh, a- as I mentioned, Ryan Pulak was on a uh, Zoom teleconference uh, to discuss his new deal. Uh, so I want to play you some audio from, from that. We'll start out with this clip where Ryan Pulak just talks about the process of restricted free agency with an arbitration hearing uh, coming up and what that was like for him to go through. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Obviously, I haven't been in this position before and with arbitration and that whole um, situation, obviously, um, you know, I think uh, in all matters, teams and players, you know, you don't want to get that far. So, you know, I'm really happy that uh, we could get the deal done. And, um, you know, obviously really excited to be back for two more years. Um, you know, obviously this this team has, you know, come a long way and, and the future is bright. So it's exciting. And as I mentioned, the uh, flat salary cap is affecting all teams, all players in the NHL. Um, and, and Ryan Pulak uh, touched upon how that might have affected him this offseason. We knew that's an issue. That's an issue for everyone on both sides. And, uh, you know, from our standpoint, uh, you know, we just want to make something work that, you know, work well for, for both us and the team. And, you know, really excited that we were able to do that. As I mentioned, one of the, you know, the, the good things for Ryan Pulak in this deal is it's only a two-year deal, so he'll be an unrestricted free agent after two seasons, right in the prime of his career. But he said that really wasn't, uh, you know, the way he was thinking uh, as he entered these negotiations. I don't know if, if that was, you know, the thought. I think the big thing for us was just trying to make something work, um, you know, that was good for both teams in terms of, you know, the cap, flat cap, and, and that we felt, um, you know, we were comfortable doing. Um, and then, you know, just being able to get something done and then, uh, you know, down the road here in, in the future, we can, you know, hopefully work on something else. So I think, I think that the big thing in, in the deal was just, you know, really trying to make it work for both sides. Now, I also asked Ryan Pulak about his communication with Matthew Barzell and where Matthew Barzell's 
head was at through these negotiations. And uh, obviously, Ryan Pulak does not want to speak for his teammate, but uh, he, he did. I thought it was an interesting answer um, and one that should be encouraging to Islander fans. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we talk. Um, obviously, we're we're good friends, so um, you know, we talk and. We, we both obviously want to make it work so that, uh, you know, we can, you know, keep everyone together. And I think that's the main goal. Um, you know, we want to, we want to win together. We want to, you know, keep, keep this team together. So, um, you know, I think we've talked a little bit, but, uh, you know, his, his business side of it is, you know, that's, that's his doing. Uh, looking past the free agent, uh, process, uh, this was our first time. Uh, getting a chance to talk to uh, Ryan, Ryan since the Islanders were eliminated uh, in six games from the Eastern Conference Finals uh, by the eventual Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, Ryan was asked for his thoughts on the Islanders' postseason run, which was the longest since 1993. I mean, obviously that run is special. I think um, whenever you can get to a point like that... Um, you know, it takes a lot to get there, and uh, you know the team, the team we had, and just the type of guys, you know, in that room, I think made it that much, you know, more special. And you know, obviously the bubble is different. We would have loved to, you know, be playing on Long Island, uh, you know, but uh, you know, being in the bubble, we were around each other, you know, all day, and I think just like those memories will will last forever. Um, and obviously, a goal of ours was to, you know, win the Stanley Cup, and. Um, getting that close I mean you know still think about it and you see it still you know kind of bites you inside just how close we really were but you know how far we still had to go so um, I think uh, you know once you get a taste of that and you get that far just you know like you said kind of burns that fire that you want to get back there so you know I think uh, looking forward to to next year um, and you know taking another run at it and Ryan Pulak was also asked about uh, losing Devon Taze. As I mentioned, Taze traded to the Colorado Avalanche uh, for two second-round picks in, in a purely salary-related move. With Devon down here, uh, is a big loss. As you know, he's a great teammate, um, but that's all part of it, and it gives opportunities for you know other guys, um, you know whether it be Dobson or other guys stepping in. So. You know, I don't think it changes my outlook at, at it at all. You know, I'm going to just try to be, you know, my type of player and try to improve um, each year on, on what I've done. And I think it just is a good challenge for other guys to, you know, step in. With or without Devontae's, and it's going to be without in next season's group, uh, uh, Ryan Pulak was asked about some of the strides he thinks the defense core uh, has taken uh, specifically in the last season? Us as a team, I think, you know, starting last year, the expectations continue to grow. And, you know, we uh, we expect to, you know, be deep in the playoffs every season. And um, obviously the main goal is the Stanley Cup. And, you know, we're going to continue to push to get closer to that until we can achieve that. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, us as a decor you know, it's always kind of been a collective job back there. Everyone steps up, everyone does their job. So, you know, I think I think the future is bright back there. And, you know, I really look forward to being a big part of that. And finally, um, like I said, there's no 
set date for when the next NHL season is going to start. It was sort of like uh, that kind of weird interlude after uh, the pandemic halted the regular season on March 12th. Uh, the, the postseason didn't start until August 1st, and, and players were sort of caught in that weird, how do I train through that? And uh, so I, I, I asked Ryan Pulak just about, you know, where he's at with his off-season training right now, not knowing when the next season for sure is going to start. <laughs> It's different. It's almost like we're back, um, you know, at the end of the year before the playoffs and kind of that uncertainty and, you know, when we might start, what it's going to look like. Um, but I think for myself right now, it's, um, you know, just kind of preparing for that uh, early January date um, because no one knows that's kind of what's been, been out there. So, you know, um, right now it's just trying to prepare for that and then see where that all goes. I mean, Obviously, um, you know, just continue training. If that gets delayed, then continue training. And but it is a little different, um, just with not really knowing, you know, the dates and when things could fire up. So that was it from Ryan Pulak, and now we'll uh, we'll turn our attention to you. It's time for your questions with Andrew's answers. And thanks to everyone for uh, uh, sending some questions in, um, <laughs> and we'll. Uh, We'll start off again. Uh, he's becoming one of my uh, uh, my most frequent questioners or inquisitors. Uh, that's our good friend, Neil Best. You can catch him on Twitter at SportsWatch. And boy, has Neil been busy lately with uh, uh, all the uh, schedule changes at WFAN with Craig Carton coming back and being teamed with Evan Roberts and Joe Beningo's retirement. So Neil's been a, a busy media writer, but uh, during the postseason and during the regular season, you also know him as a hockey columnist. So Neil chiming in with a question that's probably uh, relevant to to him and I and the other sports writers, and you guys probably won't care at all. But uh, Neil wants to know, will there be a dedicated post-game media elevator from the press box to the locker room level at UBS Arena at Belmont? Park. And Neil, um, unfortunately, I, I had to turn down a, a couple of chances to tour the construction site as, uh, over the last three weeks. As, like I said, I was in and out of the city, uh, mostly in, uh, taking care of my folks. But one, one, one thing I will say is um, the last arena that Lou Lamarillo was involved with in terms of uh, uh, designing and all that was uh, Prudential Center, obviously for the Devils. And at the Prudential Center, yes, there is a dedicated media elevator post game uh, that that heads straight down to the event floor. Um, <laughs> it's a long ride because I cannot imagine uh, putting a press box any higher in the stratosphere than at the Prudential Center. But at least there's an elevator that goes express uh, after the game. Uh, and, and I certainly, you know, I, I know at UBS Arena, the, the, the press box, I mean, the, the, the ceiling is not going to be as high up. Uh, they, they, are creating a more intimate venue than the Prudential Center. So, uh, it hopefully will be a shorter, uh, media elevator ride after the game. Uh, Isles Rule asks, 
Regarding Barzell, do you think Lou will have to trade good players for draft picks as he had to do before to sign him and other free agents on the team, such as Matt Martin and Andy Green? And yeah, uh, I'll rule that's that's exactly uh, what I think. I I think there's probably going to be, you know, at least one more trade where you go, oh, I didn't see that one coming. You know, it, it depends on what uh, other teams are looking for what Lou can entice other teams into taking. Um, but like like I mentioned uh, in the first segment of the show, the Islanders certainly have to shed a little bit more salary to, to get everything done. So uh, Lou is certainly, I think, going to be looking to do that. Uh, Brian G. asks, Will the NHL allow a few thousand fans back into the building when games begin, similar to what the NFL is doing? And, you know, one model I don't think can can be compared to the other because the NFL, for the most part, uh, is doing it in open-air stadium uh, where you can really space people out. Um, When games begin, my, my gut feeling is it will be too soon for fans to come back into the building, even if we're talking in February. I know uh, different states are allowing different things, but I I don't think, uh, you know, the NHL owners are going to be thrilled if, you know, one owner is getting a certain amount of revenue through fans and then another owner in another state cannot. So I think it's going to be pretty even, and the fans are all going to come back together. I certainly think it's going to be a season, and and again, this is a best-case scenario, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I certainly think it's going to be a season that starts without fans, and hopefully you start staging it where they can come back in as the season progresses. Uh, You know, it's all based on vaccines and treatments and 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 distribution of those two things but you know uh, i i don't think january or february is going to be a time to bring a few thousand people together in an indoor arena i i, I just don't think that will be prudent oleg stradamus says who will be the official local brewery of ubs arena and your new york islanders and that's a great question. I do not have the answer, but I am telling you right now, I am volunteering to be on the judging panel uh, to judge the best beer uh, to be the official local brewery. Sign me up for that right now. Uh, please drink responsibly, obviously, but um, you know I, I am willing to uh, take on that chore. Uh, Johnny Pajamas, my man, Johnny Pajamas. Good to have you back. Um, if the Isles sign Matt Martin, do you believe this to be the final year of the best fourth line in hockey playing together? I, I've been saying that. I, I do think so. Uh, Casey Sezikis is coming into the last year of his contract. Um, and let's see. Ryan, uh, Cal Clutterbuck uh, goes through 22. So he would have one more season. But I, I do think the Islanders are, are going to have to get younger, uh, whether that's a, an Otto Koivula or, or, or someone like that uh, squeezing in. Uh, I, I do think that this may be the swan song for, for that fourth line. Um, and if it is, 
you know, it will go down in Islanders lore. I'm not suggesting that Matt Martin, uh, Casey Sezikis, and Cal Clutterbuck should all have their jerseys retired. But I think in the future there should be some kind of uh, uh, memento to them at UBS Arena. You know, whether it's a... I don't know, some kind of banner or, or, or mural or something, but they certainly have been a very important part uh, of Islanders history and a very colorful part. And uh, certainly all of them just, you know, grinders like that, you know, blue collar workers that are just, you know, beloved by fans. And I certainly think when when that trio's run is over, they certainly deserve their due from the franchise. Um Doc Ed replying to my tweet saying I would talk about anything about my weight, anything but my weight. Doc Ed says anything question mark thoughts on the presidential election. And uh, here's what I will say, um, because, you know, one of the first things my mom uh, ingrained in me when I was a kid. Uh, was not to talk about your politics. You know, you you keep them to yourself. You know, it's nobody's business but your own, what what your beliefs are. My thoughts on the presidential election, though, uh, being serious, is to to me it's scary. Um, Regardless of, of which candidate you are favoring, just the anger and the hatred that both sides have for each other, it's it's really scary uh, to me. I, I mean, I love this country, um, but I'm afraid that many parts of this country don't love other parts of this country anymore. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm just wishing uh, for whoever is the next president or, you know, if, if Donald Trump continues as president, I'm just looking for some unity, um, not this, you know, just divisiveness, which, which is ripping apart our country. Um, we, we have to turn the corner on this, um, however it's done. Dave Starman asks, will visiting scouts be forced to still wear hurricane force Arctic wind protection to sit in the press box? If there was some humidity up there at NC, that being Nassau Coliseum, we could have had a blizzard. <laughs> and and Dave, obviously you sat right underneath the fans because there, there were a few spots uh, where uh, it, it was not as, uh, I, I guess, breezy would be the way to 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 put it um but yeah it, it was very cold up there uh, a lot of these arenas uh now have become just unbearably frigid uh i i prefer nassau coliseum to 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 the barclays center because you know it, it was so cold and i think i've told this story uh at barclays center once when when, when i was still on the uh devil's beat um, for another paper, uh, <laughs> me and another writer were up in the press box, another devil's writer. And, uh, it, it was Chris Ryan who works for NJ advance and, and Chris put his phone down on the desk. And by the second period, you, you know how your cell phones can overheat. Um, if it's too hot, you leave it in the, your car and your glove box, whatever, uh, you get that little, you know, angry thermometer on your cell phone screen. Well, <laughs> well Chris's phone shut off because it was too cold. 
at, at Barclays Center. And, and there have just been some games at Barclays Center where, you know, I, I felt like I couldn't feel my fingers and, and couldn't feel my toes. And I had to keep running out into the concourses to try and warm up. But, um, Look, if there is one more season at Nassau Coliseum, um, it's probably going to be the same conditions. So, yes, I, I would wear a jacket up to the press box. And speaking of one more season of uh, at, at Nassau Coliseum, one of the other stories I did write uh, over the past few weeks, uh, the New York Riptide of the National Lacrosse League, uh, the indoor lacrosse team that uh, had its inaugural season at Nassau Coliseum last season. Uh, the National Lacrosse League and the New York Riptide uh, put out you know, a statement, and, and I, I spoke to uh, an executive with the team. They are looking to start their next season at Nassau Coliseum in April, April 10th to be specific. Uh, with Nassau Coliseum, there, there still has to be contracts signed. Uh, I, I spoke to the Florida developer um, who has taken over the basically running of the Coliseum, or, or at least has assumed uh, you know, some management with uh, Mikhail Prokhorov's uh, group, Anexum, uh, saying it was going to shut the building and walking away from its lease. Uh, uh, the, the new developer who still needs to find an, an arena management company um, said it was quote unquote, great news that the New York riptide uh, announced that, that they were going to you know play there uh, hopefully starting in April. And I think that bodes well for the Islanders uh, for all this to get worked out. So the Islanders could play one more season at the Coliseum, which uh, is something Lou Lamarillo uh, said, you know, w- was a definite, but still uh, nothing's definite until all the papers are signed. And as of right now, nothing is signed. Um, John asks, are you surprised the team was comfortable settling on a deal uh, that walks Pulak into unrestricted free agency at only 28? And, uh, uh, no, I, I was not. Both sides, as Ryan, uh, you heard Ryan mentioned, uh, they were trying to work on something that worked for both sides. Uh, the cap figure certainly works well for the Islanders, and this gives Ryan Pulak a chance to make more as an unrestricted free agent. So, no, I, I thought it was compromise on both ends. Um, I, I'm not surprised the Islanders uh, did it like this. Um Matt asks, looking at the Islanders' current roster and cap situation over the next few years, why wouldn't Barzell sign an offer sheet? Window for Cup is closing fast, and team did not improve this offseason. Well, uh, Matthew Barzell can't sign anything that's not presented to him, and so far there have been no offer sheets. Now, if one's presented, I I would assume... uh, Matt would sign it, um, but I, I'm also assuming that the Islanders would quickly match it. Um, as far as the window for a cup closing fast, uh, I, I don't know if I agree with closing fast. Uh, I think Barry Trotz has shown that he builds teams and, and keeps them at a certain level. Um, and I, I do agree that the team has yet to improve this offseason. Uh but, you know, I, 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 
I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I disagree that the window for the cup is closing fast. Uh, I, I think everything will be tougher. I think some teams improved. Um, but I, I don't see this Islanders team as one that's, you know, going to go back to, you know, 20 years without a playoff win immediately. Uh, we'll, we'll finish up with Chuck from Merrick and, uh, Chuck, I, I did also get your email, so I appreciate that. Um, Chuck is asking any rumors on Patrick Lane? Can the Islanders find a way to get him here and still stay under the cap? I am finding that hard to see right now. And no, there, there are no new rumors on Patrick Lane. It's still uh, uh, not determined yet whether the Winnipeg Jets are going to try and move him or not. And if they have tried to move him, I'm, I'm certainly thinking that they've found it a tough market um, just because of everyone being under a cap crunch. However, you know, as I've mentioned in in the past, if if it turns out Patrick Lane is on the market, I, I think you have to make every effort to try and get it to work. But uh, Lou Lamarillo would have to be very creative, uh, and and he would have to make other moves, uh, you know, multiple moves to open up that kind of space. If you're talking about getting Lane in now, if you're talking about getting Lane in and, and possibly moving Matthew Barzell uh, as part of that. Well, one, you know, as good as Patrick Lane is, I, I, I wouldn't want to trade a top-line center. You just don't come across them with frequency. So, you know, I, I don't know that uh, Matthew Barzell could be a, a part of any deal. And, and if not, I, I do see this as a tough move to be made at, at this point. Um, and, and those are the questions. And that is episode 59 of Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. You can find everything I write about the Islanders on our website, uh, newsday.com backslash sports. And uh, also, uh, if you get a chance, uh, go to our main page, newsday.com, and take a look at our new uh, newsday.com newscasts. And until next time uh, we get to talk, happy hockey, everybody.